Welcome to the Music, Money, and Life podcast. This podcast is brought to you by HowToLicenseYourMusic.com. If you want to learn how to make money writing music for TV, films, and ads, visit HowToLicenseYourMusic.com today for a free video series all about how to write music specifically for use in TV shows, films, and commercials. Music, Money, and Life is the podcast that brings together the best minds in music licensing, music publishing, music marketing, and more together in one place. Learn how to license your music and market your music. Learn the latest cutting-edge techniques for getting your music heard and making money from your music. Learn directly from the musicians and industry insiders on the front lines of the music business. Please don't forget to subscribe and leave us a review in iTunes. Every positive review helps us rise up the ranks in iTunes, gain more subscribers, and attract more and more great guests. And now, without further ado, here's today's podcast. Alexander, how, how do you pronounce your last name? So some, I just, you know, it's not, it's not really my last name. It's a, it's a, there's a beautiful story behind it, but it's people just say, if you just say Vlachos, like nachos, that's fine. Mm. Vlachos, the actual derivative, just think of CH combined into like a he sound because it's derived from essentially that it was made Greek, but um, uh, it, in Greek, if you look up Vlahos, it's Vlahi, which means shepherd, but it's totally not related to that. I don't okay. come from a family of shepherds. <laughs> so, but, so Vlachos, if I can remember, rhymes with nachos. Alexander Vlachos, that, that works for me. So I'm speaking <laughs> today with Alexander Vlachos, and you, are, you have started a really exciting, inspiring project that we're going to learn all about today. It's called the Greater Impact House in, in Detroit. So tell us about the Greater Impact House, when you came up with the idea, what the inspiration was behind it, and, and what it's all about. For sure. So yeah, essentially the Greater Impact House was something that I've been kind of formulating throughout, I guess, all my life, kind of the idea of trying to bring uh, a residency or a community a hub of getting together with like-minded artists that want to create uh, through the power of music and art together, but really creating an internal focus and guidance of taking out the vices like drugs, alcohol, tobacco, and uh, other mind-altering substances. And so going through my own journey and my own experience with, with um, cannabis culture, um, as well as just childhood trauma, <clears throat> I just realized more and more that I was really compounding and running from the trauma as opposed to embracing it and, and transmuting it. And so forming this uh, greater impact house, it created this sense of me providing for artists as well as providing for myself, as well as providing uh, additional awareness around the city of Detroit. Very cool. And I understand that you are funding at least part of this through money that you've earned via music licensing. Can you, you tell us about your licensing background and experience? That's correct. Yeah. Um, so essentially I've had my music license with um, companies like Comedy Central and um, even those master classes that you hear uh, just most recently, I got a, uh, a license with Penn and Teller. Um, nice. I'm doing the magic tricks and I have my music playing in the background. That was a license. Um, but I've also been featured by a visual supply company, um, 
And I'm very thankful for companies like uh, Marmoset, who's mm. really been helping kind of just supply and pitch my music for me. And then on top of that, that got me just additional uh, licensing inquiries from Japan, which made me very popular over there and um, set forth a whole new series of um, licensing that I just don't even know how to search. I just know that it happens because I, mm -hmm. I, I receive PRO information from ASCAP stating uh, certain placements and uh, I just really invite the day that I can learn a little bit more kanji and hiragana and katakana and the Japanese language so I can decipher what exactly is going on over there. Are these instrumental tracks or vocal tracks or what kind of music are you licensing over there? Yeah, it's both. So yeah. essentially like I have my debut record, Positive Love is like a singer-songwriter album and then my second record that was published was uh, Spilled Love, which is all piano instrumentals. And um, yeah, I've also, yeah, it's just gotten, it's the piano instrumental definitely got way more placements, but um, not all the songs were placed because there were 36 tracks on the album. But who knows, maybe in the span of my lifetime, they will be, I have no idea. Very cool. So, so shifting back to the Greater Impact House, um, where are you in this project? Have you started taking resonance? Um, where are you in the grand scope of things? So uh, it's still very much the beginning phases. I'm currently using the, the house as a studio as well as uh, two other artists. Um, and I'm utilizing it as a recording space. I have a grand piano in there as well as um, a bunch of my instruments. And um, I did a, I hired a plumber in the very beginning stages that really um, was a life lesson for me because mm -hmm. they essentially, I have to redo the plumbing all over again. Um, so I'm learning trade skills as I'm going. And uh, luckily, or I should say, thankfully, uh, I received like a really great electrician who ended up redoing the whole house from uh, original knob and tube that was put in there. And, but my biggest uh, funding that I need to work on uh, receiving right now is for replacing the whole roof. And it has a really deep pitch. So uh, essentially that's a $15,000 job. Wow. So once, once you're fully up and running, once the house is fully renovated, what will the greater impact house entail? So once it's up and running, essentially it's going to be the idea of you um, um, asking for people to apply. And it's going to be sort of like a, almost like a membership run um, platform where artists can come in and they essentially pay rent. But they're also receiving a lot of lessons um, as far as uh, just learning new type of organizational skills and accountability meetings that are going to be held as well as um, really learning uh, how to further their path and uh, learn techniques about you know, website development and possibly just, you know, bounce off ideas off of other artists and residents and um, yeah, really kind of focus, hyper-focus, I guess, on, on their own careers and having me as a, kind of a curator for that, as well as 
my partner, Carrie Ann, who's an art therapist. And yeah, working together to help evolve artists' careers. Cool. And when you say artists' careers, what uh, aspect of the music business are you talking about? Performance, music licensing, all of, all of the above? What the focus yeah, on? all of the pretty much all of the above, but it's also not just music. It's going to be also driven for artists that have visual aspects of creation in mind. And, and, you know, it's going to be more so learning off of trying different mediums, not just music, like, like the same, the reason why I'm creating the greater impact house is because I'm also learning from different types of mediums of creation in order to, work through whatever it is that I need to, to become um, much more inspired by the world. Cool. And do you see part of the sort of benefit, part of the experience of bringing people together, uh, possible collaborations? Do you, do you see that? Unfolding? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. If it, if it, it's, it's just the idea of being really aware and open to what you can receive by just having uh, a community that is kind of showing transparency as to how they work and, and, you know, inviting ideas to come in that could potentially lead to, uh, you know, a collaboration. Very cool. Can you talk a little bit, because I know part of the inspiration behind putting this together was your own experience with, with, uh, is it fair to say substance abuse? Did, did you, would you say, oh, that yeah. You a, yeah. Can you talk a little bit about, your experience and how you overcame that and, and sort of where you are now with things? For sure. So yeah, I, substance abuse, yeah, it kind of runs really deep. Um, I, I really think it's, I've found the root of it and it does stem from a lot of just childhood trauma. And I was, um, I, essentially at 18, I was diagnosed with bipolar disorder. And at the age of 30, they told me I was misdiagnosed with bipolar disorder mm -hmm. and I haven't, um, I've been off of all medications since the age of uh, 30 with, of, with doctor's approvals. And then I began a different journey where I started, um, as much as I didn't think I was abusing cannabis, uh, I just started cannabis culture. Um, I went deeper into really figuring out how the substance worked, the different types of strains. And I even went to Amsterdam and shipped my own seeds back to myself and started um, growing it and starting grow operations in Detroit and all these things to just try to really understand this culture. And now it's kind of eclipsed itself and it's, and it's, you know, running naturally through the, uh, the veins of Detroit and um, just realizing just how much I was trapped by that substance as well. And um, so in 2010, the, the break pretty much occurred when I experienced a very traumatic event where my sister ended up um, leaping from a seven story building and surviving. Mm -hmm. And that questioned my, my feelings of why I was also suicidal. And so I just really, I was working on a third degree in nursing and essentially I just said I needed something easier. And that's also around the time I just started 
really focusing on, on music creation and going deeper into it and music recording. And that's essentially what led me towards this path of like not using these substances to really hear my songs. And I, I worked on, you know, I tried yoga for a little bit and that kind of started opening up my body towards, oh, this is a healthy experience that I'm having with myself. And uh, then I really, really took the time to search and figure out how foods uh, really affected me or didn't affect me and how much um, I had a struggle with sugar addiction. And that, that really just kind of led me into this path of really figuring out what kind of foods nourished my creativity as opposed to numbed it more. And so this, this journey just kept going and further and further. And here I am 10 years later now trying to show uh, people and creatives what, what they can experience without these substances. It's, it's really interesting. You know, I think it's, it's fair to say that, that musicians um, are probably more likely to use drugs like marijuana. I mean, certain, certainly historically, a lot of musicians have used drugs and experimented with drugs. And now we see the legalization of marijuana where just, in, you know, in general, you see more, more and more people using these drugs legally. Do you think, and, and I know this is sort of a, a personal thing, do you think it's possible to have a healthy relationship with a drug, with a plant like marijuana? Um, I feel like uh, the moment that you coat your prefrontal cortex with the drug, um, essentially it's like a sugar, it's, it's, it binds. So then all of a sudden, like I personally found myself creating music that was geared towards inspiring more of that, um, taking in the drug, you know, and creating songs for the love of the drug as opposed to the love of who I am in general without it. So I, I feel like it does take away from um, potentially creating your better self or your greater self. And uh, it, it's, it essentially becomes that driving force. Do you feel like you're more creative not using drugs? Do you feel like your creativity ha has improved? Well, let Absolutely. Me ask you, yeah. So did you, so, sort of two questions you answered the first one, whether or not your creativity improved. Was there sort of a transitional period where you felt like it was stifled or it seemed stif stifled as you were transitioning into not using marijuana? Yeah. I mean, so every time I did use, uh, I also had a lot of trouble creating. So mm. As much as I thought I had like a creative force, like for example, my song Better Days, I started writing it when I was really high, but at the same time, the lyrics and all everything that I was singing, it was just kind of mumbled information through my drafts. And it wasn't until I was finally like getting off of those, the drug that I kind of could really tell um, my consciousness uh, what uh, cognitively needed to be said. So going back and forth and, you know, I, I really tended to find out that it was, it was becoming this, like, I thought it was this, this driving force, but I also was driving my own internal 
self out of myself in order to try to figure out what kind of song I wanted to write. Interesting. So how, how long of a process was it for you to quit? Were you using other substances as, as well, or was it mainly? No, uh, the biggest substance I used was pie cannabis. Um, oh. I've never used uh, heroin or really gone into the really hard drugs. I've observed friends that have used like LSD and, um, there was, I guess the only experience that I did have with harder drugs was, um, peyote, which mm. was, um, I was offered ayahuasca. Um, it was an ayahuasca and peyote ceremony and the leader there was, I was asking for the ayahuasca and he wouldn't give it to me. And he told me that my, my soul and my body don't need this medicine and it was the same thing with the peyote but he wanted to show me i guess almost like a lesson um and i took i think as many as 18 pellets in one sitting and everybody else was looking at me like i've lost my mind because i there it was i had no effect there was no effect other than uh just really uh, deep like headaches that I was getting from taking the peyote. And around 4 a.m., he sat down in the middle of the circle with me and just said, uh, you know, you don't need any of this. And, and I just want to show it to you. Like you, you'd probably be the only one to really understand it. And he took me outside to look at the stars. And that, that was the first time that I saw like almost like a, a tr like a grid that was kind of trapping the evolutionary path of me seeing past the stars kind of idea. Uh, where, where was this? This was in Michigan. So it was like a personal invitation that I got led to. And then I got another invitation and this, a different um, healer, so to speak, said I, I didn't need it as well. So it was like by that, by the second time that I'm like, why am I even attempting to try to take ayahuasca? Um, and that was around like the year 2014. So me realizing that I was already well on my path towards crafting music without drugs. And here I am trying to figure out like why, why I need to have this as a, like a driving force when yeah. it, it didn't serve me at all. Yeah, that's fascinating. I've never done ayahuasca, but I've, you know, I know several people who have, and I you know one girl who took it and it was kind of the same thing. Um, she didn't experience anything. Nothing happened. And I've mm -hmm. talked to other people that have these mind blowing visions. And so perhaps it depends on the individual, you know, where you are on your, on your journey. Sure. But um, getting back to the greater impact house, when do you see things uh, being fully up and running? So I currently have a campaign going with um, I'm fiscally sponsored by fractured Atlas, which is helps uh, essentially artists, form a nonprofit through them and then they take care of all the stuff you just kind of submit uh, your paperwork and pay a ten dollar admission fee um, membership fee as opposed to like really doing like heavy paperwork and so the campaign is running until uh, mid-november and we're doing like a 12-hour fundraiser uh, to see if we can at least land $15,000. Right now we're at about um, five grand. Essentially, I want to try to raise 
uh, enough capital where I can begin like forming after the roof, like forming the kitchen and really invite um, architectural inspiration to re rebuild the porch as well as, uh, you know, reconfigure the rooms and the bathrooms. So, and I'll also be taking like, there's, it's kind of like what huge companies do where, where they start with one campaign and then they move it into Indiegogo and then they finalize it in Kickstarter. That's kind of what I'm going to be doing. I'm just going to extend the, the campaign until I receive the funds with offering my music up and my albums up as a reward. Nice. Do you have a tentative date when you anticipate things will be up and running? So if all things go well, then I imagine by 20, end of 2021, essentially 2022 um, or earlier, depending on how fast I can receive the capital, maybe I'll receive it through a huge uh, licensing. You know, you, you never know where licensing is going to take you in music. Right. So who knows? I might land a big placement or might have a custom brief that might go through and, and all of a sudden I've had enough um, to, to begin the restructuring and, and the reviving of the house. Nice. And then once you are up and running, how will it, how will it work? Artists will apply to be a part of this? Correct. Yeah. So you, you'll be, uh, there's going to be just, uh, an online application that we're all pretty much filling out right. And then you'll just go through a series of questions um, before submitting a final application. And we'll also have like video interview process to see just how uh, well you're received with the chemistry between the artists that you're going to be residing with. Um, and yeah, we're, we're also going to be offering like day studio spaces, but yeah, there, there's going to be a huge, um, essentially an application process that you fill out. Right. So you'll also have a recording studio that people can access on it on a daily basis. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It'll be like, uh, there's also going to be essentially one artist per floor, um, plus day room spaces on the second floors and essentially you'll have like almost like a plug and play type of thing where you can bring in your own computer and utilize um, microphones and other um, preamps and physical property that's going to be on site. Nice. And for the artists that, that will end up residing there, how long will people, what will a, a typical stay uh, look like? How long will that last? So if essentially I'm looking at artists that have already begun the process of knowing that they're career driven and having them stay for a period of either three months to six months to a year, depending on, on how much they feel like they're, working through things so it's essentially like establishing like a three-month stint is a pretty good amount of time of seeing where it's almost like that 90-day process of seeing where an artist is going with things and whether or not it's better for them to continue or better for them to just kind of go it alone and um and seeing where they are with that and taking things on that type of um, basis so I, I know that your sobriety and your experiences with, with drugs and cannabis were a big inspiration for creating this project. Are you looking for residents that have also dealt with these issues? 
for sure. I mean, okay. if, if anything, it's kind of inviting the idea of artists saying like, all right, I tried all this other stuff that didn't serve me and, or like, I'm kind of ready to, to get into a different rhythm or routine. And, and if I, if I can offer the idea of that type of comfort, so to speak, or new structure, um, then here it is, you know, here's, here's a house for an artist to apply to that, that can potentially pro- progress and evolve their uh, creativity. Yeah. No, I, I love the, the whole concept. I love the idea of bringing people together. You know, I feel like, especially with music licensing, that's one of, can be one of the challenging things is, is that it tends to be a very sort of solitary endeavor. So I love the idea of bringing, and I know you're not just doing music licensing, but just in general, bringing musicians together. I find that there's something very kind of exciting and interesting that happens when you collaborate that you can't really replicate on your own. So I think it's really cool yeah definitely it, it does and uh, there's just something about you know just the same thing as i, I know you're definitely a, also a live performer it's kind of you're you're creating a live performance but you're encapsulating it into a recording and yeah. then you know putting that out into the world to essentially benefit from yeah i'm actually in the the process um in, in about a week or so of going to live with a longtime collaborator and friend of mine, and we're kind of setting up shop together and we're going to really kind of as an experiment, try living under the same roof so we can really focus on, on music and, and make that a real, you know, kind of part of our, our focus and, and see what happens. Maybe we yeah. try it for three months and it doesn't work out and we need our own space, but, or maybe we make great music, you know, better than we would have had we not been in the same space. So sure. the idea of just trying different things. So what is, I know you're, you're the greater impact house is in Detroit. Are you from Detroit? No, I'm originally, I was born in New York and then I was raised in Greece until about the age of seven. And then um, my father actually followed his best friend, back to the uh, Detroit and I ended up residing in the suburbs um, about 15 minutes out of, outside of Detroit in Farmington Hills. And then I essentially ended up buying a, a condo in Southfield and kept just kind of doing the, uh, the day trip down to Detroit, which is not far. And now I'm est- essentially establishing as once I get the greater impact house, I'll be living in Detroit permanently cool and what is the state of detroit like uh these days how's detroit coming along (laughs) you know a lot of people look at it from the outside and they think wow there's a lot happening and there is but if you really take the time to just kind of drive through um the side streets and just you know take a mile and a half out you'll see that there's about 40 years of reconstruction that really needs to occur before you actually see a true revitalization Mm. so what about what yeah so there's still a long ways to go what about in terms of safety and overall kind of crime uh, things like that i mean compared to even five years ago it is safer but i mean you're anytime you leave your house in general you're not you can get into a car crash uh, yeah sure. you can get into you know you never know what you're going to land into it's just more so where are you how are you contained in your own space and do you have enough um awareness of protection for yourself but i mean the police are are pretty 
fast responding and um yeah there's essentially like I, the greater impact house is on a very desolate street mm. and there are only uh they're about they've it's since the pandemic there've been six houses that need to be demolished on that street to just to show you just how desolate that street is um and yeah if you go up a street above me there's another six to eight houses that need to be demolished. And that process is, um, it's very interesting where the politics come into that with Detroit. But again, it's, it's as far as, uh, you know, protection and, and security goes, that's, it's always, I I always say, just raise your awareness on that and do what you can to self-protect. Yeah. You feel safe there though? I do. It's actually very quiet. Um, you know, it's in the beginning, I was kind of like, uh, with the first, within the first month that I purchased the property got broken into and the, the gas pipes, um, were smashed. It was like, they had almost like a, they were subconsciously trying to drive me out, Mm. but, uh, that didn't, uh, didn't work. You know, eventually they saw that I was, I was there. Um, and I just recently had a talk with my neighbors and they thought I was like the feds at first. <laughs> it's very mm-hmm. interesting. Cause I'm here. I am focusing on creating a house without drugs and alcohol and they think I'm the feds. So I was just like, uh, and then when they saw like, uh, since I have this exhibition going on now and I, they got the chance to walk into it as and they knew what it looked like before they were kind of just kind of like, wow, you've done some shifts. It looks like a, essentially it looks like a, a home that's kind of almost ready. <laughs> so, yeah. so it's nice to see the, the, re, the reception of my own neighborhood and they even want to try it, you know, they want to try to do like a, a small little farm and garden in the corner which would be great. And the, the idea that, you know, they're open and receptive to trying to revive the street as well. I'm like, I, I didn't come in to save anything. I just came down and I just wanted to experience uh, a living situation for myself. So the idea that, you know, they're more, re- my neighbors are more receptive down there than they are in the suburbs. I've realized they're how, oh. how, distant like how nobody really talks to each other in the suburbs it's very fascinating how how it's almost like uh this total 180 so yeah well that's really cool i'm sure they see the improvements you're doing to the property and in the all the work you're putting into it and and that you're not going anywhere and i'm sure once you get to know people you know the neighborhood is only as good as the the people that live in it. So sounds like yeah. you're, uh, you're going to be a net positive to the neighborhood for sure. There you go. Yeah, for sure. Well, listen, I, um, thanks so much for doing the podcast with me today. Like I said, I just, I saw your story on Facebook a few weeks ago and I thought it was a cool concept and a, and a cool story. So I wanted to bring you on and, and hopefully give your project a little more exposure. How can people learn more about it? Where can they go to find out more about the project? I appreciate it, Aaron. Yeah, you can visit uh, greaterimpacthouse.com or uh, greateralexander.com. You'll be able to find the information pretty easily. 
Excellent. So go check it out, greaterimpacthouse.com. And, and, and if you could, Alexander, if you could send me a track to play at the end of this, I don't know if you have any new music you're working on oh, or sure. maybe something that you've licensed recently or, or just anything. If you can send me something, I'll, I'll put that at the end of the podcast so people can check out a little bit of your mu- music as well. I'd love that. Thank you so much. Awesome. So listen, I'll, um, I'll be in touch. I'll send this to you when it's ready to go. And in the meantime, like I said, if you could send me a track to, yeah. uh, to play it, then we'll feature your music. Sure. I, I kind of have the feeling of um, stuff that I'm finalizing and mixing right now. So I'll just send you stuff that hasn't been even publicly played yet. Perfect. It'll be the, uh, the debut. <laughs> All right. Listen, well, good luck with everything, man. And um, sounds like a cool uh, project you have going. And I, I wish you success and, and, and luck. And I, I hope everything works out for you. Thank you, Aaron. Take care. Thanks, Alexander. Take care. Have a great day. All right. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Show me your tears Drifting down your cheekbones To lighten up your eyes Show me your fear Running out the window To return to hidden skies Here's to comprehending the 17th try.